It's really a, a beautiful picture that's given to us there, as was just read for us in, in, in John chapter 10, to hear this picture of, of Jesus, to say twice in this very short section right here, I am the good shepherd. And there's an intended contrast versus all of the other useless shepherds. I am the one that you need. And notice the picture that's given for us in that scene. The the picture that he gives to us is why he is a good shepherd is twice over. He says, I am laying my life down for the sheep. I'm going to do what you need. I'm going to do what is in your interest. Other shepherds don't do that, but I am a good shepherd and I am here to do and give exactly what you need. And so when we're going to be in the book of Zechariah, I want you to consider that as Jesus says these words, this imagery is not from out of the blue, but rather the prophets had spoken about the necessity of a shepherd to come who would be able to rescue his people, lay down his life for the sheep, and do the very thing that the world ultimately needed. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 11. Zechariah chapter 11. If you're looking for Zechariah, two books before Matthew. You find Matthew, reverse two books and you're good, all right? Zechariah chapter 11. And I want you to listen to what the Lord has to say in Zechariah 11 and just beginning in verse 4. Thus said the Lord my God, become shepherd of the flock, doomed to slaughter. Now, we don't want to think of ourselves in that category. (laughs) Say, all right, it's one thing to call us sheep, but notice the imagery is, Sheep that are doomed for the slaughter. Sheep that are ultimately doomed. Destruction is is laid on top of their heads. We don't want to think about that. You read a passage like this. Well, what does it mean that we're we're the doomed for to the slaughter? Why would we be described that way? And, and you might remember from connecting to what we did last Sunday just a little bit in chapter 10, this picture of we have all gone our own way. We have decided to make ourselves shepherds. We think We know what's best. We will control our lives. God is a lousy shepherd. He doesn't know what's going on down here. But I can run my life. I can do what I want. And so there's this imagery that as we choose to go our own way, we are actually making ourselves far from God and worthy of judgment. In fact, you might remember that the prophet Isaiah makes the point and says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Unfortunately, he didn't say all of us like sheep have stayed really close to the shepherd and followed exactly what he said and where he pointed and where he led. No, no. We, all of us like sheep have all wandered off. All of us have, have left the path. All of us have gone our own way. And that's the reason why we are pictured as the doomed in, in this scene. In fact, you see that even in chapter 11 there of Zechariah verses 5 and 6, he describes You've had these other leaders and shepherds and people, and all they are ultimately doing is trying to harm you. They have their own interests in mind. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. 
And so you see that picture there in verse five, when they hear of these shepherds who say, I've become rich and they're their own shepherds and they have no pity on the sheep. They don't care. It's all about themselves. I know you have not seen that in this world at all of people who don't care about you and only care about themselves and their actions are only for self and have no regard for anybody else. Well, guess what? That was going on all the way back then too. Same problem all the way back there of here are the people who are listening to others and the people that they're listening to don't really care about them. I don't have their best interests in mind. And so here is God saying, I'm going to bring a judgment upon that. But understanding as these sheep, we're the sheep that are doomed because we've gone the wrong way. Friends, that's why you have probably the most well-known passage in all of Scripture say, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. There's imagery right there of we're the sheep that are doomed. We're the sheep that are doomed to the slaughter. That we're destined to wrath because we have wandered away from God. And there is this picture being given that what God wants to do is he wants to rescue his people. But the rest of chapter 11 gives us this picture of the shepherd's work and what he's going to do. It's a stunning image that's given to us. Verse 11 says, so I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to the slaughter. Just think about that. It'd be fun just to do a lesson by itself right there. Would you sign up to be a shepherd for a bunch of sheep that are doomed to slaughter? Doesn't that sound like a waste of time? (laughs) That sounds a little bit uh, vain and pointless and useless. But he says, I'm going to go ahead and I will be the shepherd for the sheep that are doomed. They're doomed to the slaughter, but I'm going to do that. And notice what he says he does. Middle of verse 7, I took two staffs. One I named Favor. And the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. What an image. The shepherd comes to the doomed sheep, and notice the visual that's given. The two staves that he carries. One favor. So here's our shepherd, and he's coming with favor. He's coming with compassion and mercy and kindness. He says, I've come for you. Even though you're doomed for the slaughter, I am bringing you God's favor. And so he carries that staff in his hand. And then the other staff, he says, I'm carrying union, unity. I've come to unite you. I've come to bring peace to you. Bring peace not only to one another, but peace between you and God. And so I'm bringing you God's favor and I'm bringing you God's union. And not only has he accomplished all of that, in the beginning of verse 8, it says, In one month I destroyed Three shepherds. Now you have to keep the imagery. You have all of these false shepherds who are wrecking the sheep. This one comes in and says, I'm going to be the good shepherd. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to lead you in the right way. I'm going to bring favor. I'm going to bring unity. And I'm going to get rid of these false shepherds. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to remove them. I'm going to get them out of the way. So that's what he does. But notice the very next picture. Middle of verse 8. But I became impatient with them, and they also detested me. I want you to get a sense of that for a minute. Here's the sheep doomed for slaughter. 
A good shepherd arrives and says, I'll do the work that nobody else will do. I'll take care of you. I'll bring God's favor. I'll bring God's unity. I will bring the help that you need. I will destroy these false shepherds that have no pity on you, have no compassion on you, don't care about you. I'm going to come and give you exactly what you need. And the response of the sheep is to detest the shepherd. They look at the shepherd and go, well, we don't like that. We don't like your work. We don't like how you're doing it. We don't think you're a very good shepherd. We don't like all this saving and judging business. We're not interested in all that. We detest you. We don't want anything to do with you. What a response. You might remember that that's just kind of the nature of humanity and the history of Israel. Israel is in the wilderness. God has set them free from Egyptian slavery and he is bringing them into the promised land. It's approximately a two week journey from Mount Sinai to get to the promised land. And what do all the people do? Complain and detest how God is leading them. We don't like how you rescued us. We don't like how you're leading us. We don't like the direction we're going. Why is it that we have to be in the desert? Why isn't there water fountains out here? Why don't we have to wait for food? Why is it always going to be not what we want? Let's just go back to Egypt. Nothing's changed. Here is the good shepherd coming to the people and saying, here I am. You're doomed for slaughter. I'll rescue you from that. I will give you God's favor. I will give you God's unity. You just need to listen to me and I will put you on the path. And the text says, and they detested him. And I want you to notice it says, and the shepherd grew impatient. Imagine the sheep aren't doing what the shepherd says. (laughs) And the shepherd's like, really? You're not going to do what I say? You are sheep going to the slaughter. I'm saying go this way so that doesn't happen. And you're not listening. I think this is a very important picture that is given to us here in this scene. A very important picture that is given to us. This is a very key truth. If you don't desire God. He'll leave you where you're at. Listen to it in verse nine. For I will no longer have. Oh, wait, verse. Yes, verse nine. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die? Let it die. What is to be destroyed? Let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the people. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. He says, if you want to go to the slaughter, okay. I'm trying to get you to go this way, and you don't want to go that way. I'm not going to make you. I'm just trying to tell you the direction to go. I'm trying to rescue you. I'm trying to show you the way of God's favor. I'm trying to show you the way of God's unity. And this is the direction to go. And all the sheep are going. And I want you to see that God isn't going to make you follow him. 
If you don't want to desire him, he's not going to do something to you. Going, I'm going to force these sheep. I'm going to shove them into safety. You don't want to listen. You don't have to listen. I'm not going to make you enjoy my love and favor. I'm not going to force it upon you. I came to save you and to strengthen you. And I came to bring you home. Were you here last week? Home. We're going home. That's chapter 10. I came to rescue you and bring you home, but I'm not going to make you go home. If you don't want God, he won't make you be with him. God is a very fair God. Whatever shepherd you want to have lead you, he will let you follow it. Whatever shepherd you want, he'll let you follow. He won't make you. He won't make you follow him. He won't force you to stop following these false shepherds and worthless shepherds. You want to go that path? Okay. Here's the picture of the shepherd. I tried to come to the sheep doomed for slaughter. And you didn't want it. You didn't want my rescue. You didn't want my help. And so if you want to go that path, so be it. I think that is such an important truth of what's being said there in verse 9. If you're going to go to the path of destruction and death and devouring, okay, I'll let you. Let me put it this way. There's nobody in heaven that doesn't desire God with all their heart. There's nobody forced there. There's nobody who goes, you know, I really just don't really care about God. Well, I'm going to make you be with God anyway. You are stuck with him for eternity. It doesn't work like that. You get the shepherd you want. You can either have him or not have him. He's not making you. There is nobody forced to be with God. There is nobody in eternity going, I don't know how I got here. It makes no sense at all. I didn't care about God in the slightest, but here I am. No, God's picturing the decision. You decide your path. I'm not going to make you. I've come to show you the way to life. I've tried to make it so you are doomed to the slaughter, destined for destruction. The choice is absolutely ours. Now, here is the stunning picture that really unfolds. After he breaks his staff of favor, you don't want to follow me. Okay, favor is broken. You don't want to follow my direction. Listen to what he says in verse 12. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages. And if not, keep them. Essentially, the the question is this. Uh, Would you just give me what you think I'm worth? I've done this work for you. I took out the three false shepherds and I've tried to lead you to safety. I've tried to rescue you and give you favor and unity. You didn't want it. So just give me what I'm worth. Give me what seems good to you. Verse 12. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price, which I was priced by them. And so I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. And then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So the rejected good shepherd says, tell me what I'm worth. Now, there are two shocking things about this picture. Shocking picture number one. 
30 shekels of silver or 30 pieces of silver under the old law was determined as the price of essentially an injured servant. That's what you paid. If you were going along and you had a servant under the old law and you did something to injure them or maim them, then the price to be paid was the 30 pieces of silver. So do you see the worth of what they're saying about him? He is totally undervalued. You are essentially as useful to me as a maimed, injured servant. 30 pieces of silver. That's what we think of you. Give me what I'm worth. 30 pieces. You realize the scripture said exactly that this was how the world was going to receive him. Listen to Isaiah 53 and verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. What have we just been reading about? He says he comes and does the work and the people despised him. They look at the work and they don't value it. They say, this is worthless. We don't don't care. We have no value of it. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was, like someone people turned away from, he was despised and we didn't value him. You see the picture? We look at the work of him and go, what's the point? He's not worth anything to me. He has no value. He's meaningless to me. I'd rather have my own shepherd, go my own way, go my own path. Now, not only is that the first shocking picture about the 30 pieces of silver. If you've been around the New Testament block a little bit, that 30 pieces of silver might also ring another bell to you. That that was the price of the betrayal. That was actually the very price that when Judas goes to betray Jesus, that's the amount that they calculate. Keep in mind, 30 pieces of silver is the worth of an injured servant. And so you have this whole scene unfold in Matthew 26. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him to you? What's he worth? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment on, he sought an opportunity to betray him. That's the despising. That's the lack of value. That's the worthlessness that is being calculated. We just sang a song, the last song we sang, my eyes have seen your glory, you've touched your face and all that. Think about Judas who has been there for three years and that is all absolutely true. Seen him, touched him, heard him, miracles for years with him. And he goes to the leaders and says, what will you pay me? And they say, "Eh, 30 pieces. And he goes, okay. 30 pieces. It's all he's worth. Now something strange happens in the Zechariah picture because you'll notice in verse 13 it says, and the Lord said to me to throw it to the potter. And then at the end of verse 13, it says, So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. That is a really strange statement. Listen to what happens here in Matthew 27, 3. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind 
and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, what did Zechariah say? In the house of the Lord, in the temple, he departed and hanged himself. So notice Judas, the, the leaders say, we don't care. We're, there's no refunds here. We, we, we got what we wanted. And Judas just throws the money at the temple. The leaders then say, but taking the piece of silver, it says it's not lawful for them to put it in the treasury since it's blood money. There's a whole other sermon about you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you're getting this guy murdered, but let's all be concerned about the money that we use. That's blood money. Boy, we got to be, you know, holy and innocent around here. So they took counsel and bought with them a potter's field as a burying place for strangers. This prophecy is laying out exactly what was going to happen. The good shepherd comes, says, I'm giving you God's favor and God's unity. I've come to rescue you. You're doomed for slaughter. Go the other way. I don't want you to experience that. And the people despised him. So we don't want your leadership. We don't want your direction. We don't want to listen to you. He says, fine, you don't want to listen to me. You can go your own way. You can do what you want to do. You can follow who you want to follow. Just give me what I'm worth. They say, well, you're worth 30 pieces of silver to us. And that's taken and thrown into the Lord's house, into the potter, just as God said would happen hundreds of years earlier. It's not the end of the prophecy, but notice what happens then next. Then the Lord said to me, take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those who are being destroyed. Or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered and his right eye utterly blinded. Verse 15. If you don't want the good shepherd. He says, I'll let you follow the foolish shepherd. Notice the two descriptions. Verse 15 that's called the foolish shepherd and verse 17, the worthless shepherd. What an image that's given here. So you don't want the good shepherd. So Zechariah, here's what I want you to do. Take the equipment of a foolish shepherd. I, I sat there and thought about, I wonder what that looked like. It's like, does he have like a shovel and a rake? And you're like, no, that's not what you need to be a shepherd. I mean, he's got all the wrong equipment. He's got all the wrong gear on. He's got all the wrong tools. He says, all right, look like a foolish shepherd. And I'm going to have you lead the people since they don't want to follow me. That's the picture. If you reject the shepherd, you're going to be given the worthless shepherd. You will get what you want. And I want you to just think about that idea for a minute. So we talk about worthless shepherds. There are so many foolish, worthless shepherds out there. There's a lot of things you can listen to. A lot of things that you can make decisions by that do not care for you, 
that do not help you, that will not heal you, that will not seek you, that will not give you what you're looking for. There's all kinds of them. All kinds of foolish shepherds. And you think about all of those foolish shepherds that we listen to. We give so much of our effort and so much of our time listening to those foolish things. We listen to money as if money is some wonderful shepherd. Did you know your money doesn't care about you? It doesn't care. It doesn't have compassion for you or pity for you or love for you. It can't heal you. It can't direct you. It can't give you what you're looking for. It'll turn its back on you in a heartbeat. It doesn't care. As soon as you think you have some, it always leaves. It's not a good shepherd. That's what's being imaged right here. Woe to the worthless shepherd. It just deserts the flock. It's not there to help you out. And yet we give so much of our time and our effort to money. Or how about our possessions? Like cars and clothes and stuff. They don't care about you. They can't lead you. They can't help you. They can't give you what you need. I'll probably have to just keep reminding of us because we we, we all have short-term memory about things. How did all of the money and the possessions in the world do for you when COVID hit? Helped you tons, right? Great leader. Gave you everything you needed. Couldn't even get toilet paper. Come on. Why would you put your hope in it? Why would you say, oh, this is, this is going to be, this is going to rescue me when bad times come. Really? It didn't help anybody. We all sat around with our stuff and went, okay, great. It doesn't help. It doesn't lead. It doesn't heal. It doesn't care. And what we end up doing is sacrificing ourselves for these things. You know, another worthless shepherd, I go on and on. Another worthless shepherd, your job, your career. It doesn't care about you. It's not going to lead you in paths of righteousness and give you the health and hope and healing that you need. You've experienced it. It'll use you today and spit you out tomorrow. It doesn't care. We give all of our time and all of our effort and all of our energy and we sacrifice the things that matter most for the things that don't care about us. We forfeit the most important things of life because we're going after worthless, lousy, foolish shepherds. And so we ultimately what we do is we are getting what we want through the shepherd we choose. You can choose these lousy shepherds. But I want you to think about when you get to the end of your life and you have invested so much of your time and so much of your effort and so much of your sweat and everything to these lousy shepherds, what are you going to have at the end of it all? Let's say God gives you 85 years. And what are you going to have at the end of the 85 years if you give all of your effort to these lousy shepherds? 
Because it's all about money, right? It's all about stuff and possessions and things. It's all about your job. It's all, And you're just going to be so much better off when you're 85 because you gave so much of your time and effort and energy to all of that stuff, right? We should know better. However long you've lived, you can look back and see it didn't do it for you up to this point. Why do you think it is in the future? Why do we think it would be in the future? There is only one shepherd who can give us the life that we want and the life that we need. There is only one shepherd that can do that. And my big question to you is, what is Jesus worth to you? How do you value him? Here he comes with his staffs saying, I've come to rescue you from being doomed. I've come with God's favor. I've come to reconcile you, to bring unity and peace again to you. And I want you to think about as much as we might crack on the Jewish leaders and Judas and go 30 pieces of silver. Foolish people. How could you have ever done something like that? Please think about what you trade him for. Sometimes we trade him for just sleep. Yeah, you know, I just want to sleep a little bit more. Trade him for a little bit more money. Trade him for work. Trade him for television. Trade him for entertainment. Trade him for clothing. Trade him for stuff. Yeah, it's not really worth that much to us. All these other things matter to me. These other foolish, worthless shepherds. I want to invest in them and follow them. That, that, that's where my joy is. What's he worth to you? What are you trading for? Do we look just like Judas and say, he's worth a little bit. He's worth about the price of an injured, maimed servant to me. He's a little useful, but not very much. Not enough to give my life to you. Not enough to give my time to you. Not enough to give my effort to you. Not enough to give my passions and desires to you. Not enough for that. Just a little. Just a little. It is a shame that so often what we do is we easily trade Jesus for the sometimes silly, simple wastes of time and useless things. And what's amazing to me is Jesus predicted it. The scriptures predicted it. A prophet predicted it. And Jesus is simply saying, you can go your own way. Whatever you want to do. You want to go that path? I'm going to let you. I won't stop you. But I'm asking you to see that you're doomed. And I'm the only one that can give you the hope that you need. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, forgive us for how often we undervalue you. How often we choose other things besides you. How often we make decisions based on anything else but you. Lord, forgive us for how often we chase after the foolish and worthless shepherds of the world. Forgive us for not valuing you as we ought, but instead how often we despise you. And thank you, Lord, for 
loving us so much that you would send a good shepherd to us who would lay down his life for us so that we wouldn't have to be the doomed any longer. And Lord, help us to see that every day that we reject your good shepherd, we are choosing the path of destruction rather than the path of life and hope. Lord, help us to see life clearly. Help us to see that the path of your son is the way we need to go. Help us to see the value of your good shepherd. Help us to choose his ways above all other ways. And forgive us for how often we choose the wrong way. And Lord, help us in the days ahead to pick your way, your life, your truth above all else. And help us to see the necessity of following you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want us to see as we end that Jesus wants each of us to desire him. He wants each of us to desire him, but he's not going to make you do it. If you want him, he will change your life. He will heal your life. He will carry you through difficulties. He will be there for you when you need him most. But if you don't want him, then you don't have to have him. We can have our TV shows, our careers, our money, our possessions, our sleep, all these other things that we put up to such great value and importance. And he wants to be your shepherd. And please never forget who we are. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We're all doomed for the slaughter. If we do not choose the good shepherd, then he will allow us to receive what we've chosen. God's letting us decide our outcome. God is allowing us to decide our eternity. God is allowing us to decide who will lead us. Do you want to be God? And that you can have healing and hope and life? Or do you want to be the mundane things of the world and end up be destroyed because you followed it? We want you to come to Jesus this morning to turn away from sin, to turn away from following self and to follow the good shepherd who laid down his life for you, turning away from those sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We want you to come and do that now. Won't you do that while we stand and walk?